Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the new Mainstream Podcast, where we explore the impact of multicultural consumers on marketing, media, and data. I'm your host, Mario Carrasco, and the co-founder of ThinkNow. Excited to introduce today's guest, Maria Twina, Global Head of ConsumerX at Ninth Wonder Agency. Maria, great having you back. This is the second time on the podcast, first time on the revamped podcast. Um, please introduce yourself. Um, you have a new role. would love to learn more kind of about your background and what you're doing now at Ninth Wonder Agency. Oh, thanks, Mario. Nice to be back. Um, I, um, for those who don't recognize the name, I was uh, previously Maria Lopez Knowles. I, I remarried a couple of years ago. I've been in this space for a long, long time. Um, started in general market advertising, uh, spent 20 years at general market advertising, and then pivoted to the bilingual bicultural space about 12 years ago. And why I was interested in that space is because I was um, the first US born daughter of foreign born immigrants. My parents immigrated from Cuba. My dad was from Spain originally. My mother was Cuban. And I was born in Miami, but raised in New Orleans in the 60s during a time period where there were very few Hispanics in Louisiana. There still aren't that many, but there are more now. And so there were, there was no context outside of family um, in terms of Hispanics and knowing Hispanics. Uh, We were definitely outsiders. I felt like we were outsiders at home, my siblings and I, because we spoke English amongst ourselves, but Spanish to our parents. And then I'd go to school and we were outsiders in school because um, we looked different and because our ethos was different. At home, we were taught collectivism and community and family of ourselves, and we'd go to school and we were taught independence, self-reliance, and that conflict and that culture clash drove me to, I think, study psychology to better understand myself and then to um, get a graduate degree in film and television because I wanted to be in the communications world. So anyway, long story short, uh, lots of general market experience in the last uh, 10 to 12 years really focused on the bilingual bicultural. And, And now I am heading up a segment at an agency called Ninth Wonder. Um, I'm based in LA. The segment I head up is called Consumer X, and we define Consumer X as those consumers who hide in plain sight, yet they drive exponential revenue and fandom for a brand or advocacy for a brand. So really understanding who these folks are and best practices and how to not just reach them, but touch them is paramount to the success of a brand. So that's, uh, that's what I'm doing these days. That's great. Now we were talking, you know, before the podcast, I think hiding in plain sight, that's such a great term, Um, you know, here, new mainstream or multicultural, we traditionally define in the U.S. as Hispanic, African-American or Asian. How, How are you, can you tell us more about that definition, hiding in plain sight, what it means, who it's meant to represent? Um, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm happy to. Um, so typically, when we talk about consumers that hide in plain sight, we're talking about those that are underserved, um, yet they're influential, right? Um, and they can be influential as individuals or as a cohort of consumers. Um, we are um, 
focused uh, today on the group that we're car calling Latin X. And the X is a big X, not a little X. And these are the influencers within the Hispanic market. So typically, um, this group is the 1.5 or the Chudado generation immigrant. Uh, the 1.5, for those that aren't familiar with that term, is the foreign-born immigrant that comes to the U.S. at the age of 10 or less. And so their primary socialization takes place here. Uh, so this group, along with the Generation 2.0, which is people like myself who were born here but have at least one foreign-born parent, we refer to this group, the 1.5 and the 2.0, as the, um, the ELF, the English language first Latino. May not mean that they learned English as their first language, but in terms of content consumption and um, linguistic proficiency, not just speaking, but also reading and writing, they are English language first. So these are the folks that, um, as children of immigrants, um, we take on a different role than the traditional American family, where the parents are clearly the ambassadors to the culture and the leaders in the family. In the case of first-generation Hispanic households, the kids end up serving as Sherpas for their foreign-born parents. They, they do so by translating the language, uh, interpreting the U.S. ethos, which we touched upon earlier, where Hispanics are all about the collective, uh, the U.S. school system and our society is all about the Protestant work ethic and self-reliance. Um, so the, these Sherpas, if you will, they translate the language, interpret the ethos, and they actually inform brand and product purchases at a very young age, and they demystify new services and technology as well. So they play this role of Sherpa slash ambassador, um, and yet they hide in plain sight in the sense that uh, Marketers in general, they, 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 they assume that, well, you know, they're English language first Latinos, they're, they're, they dominate the English language. If we serve them general market advertising, um, we're reaching them and that's all we need to do. And yet that's not enough. I mean, reaching them is one thing, touching them affectively with your brand communications is something completely different. And so this group has been underserved in the sense that marketers has made, have made assumptions that, um, their general market advertising is enough. And, and we all know that the Spanish language dominant engages primarily in Spanish language media, and they have the Univision and the Telemundos of the world to market to them. And that's fine because that, 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 is, that media, that advertising is reaching and touching my consumer. But this ELF hides in plain sight, yet is, can drive exponential revenue for a brand because this individual is influential within his multi-generational um, Hispanic family and or household. And um, they can drive advocacy and fandom because they so over-index on social networks as well. So just a great opportunity, uh, the children of immigrants that um, don't have to be children, they're adults as well. Um, and they, um, as they mature, their sphere of influence expands and it actually becomes culturally agnostic, meaning that it's not just Hispanic, it's their American friends and family as well. Um, so understanding these groups that hide in plain sight but find their voice online, uh, like a lot of minorities, um, is really imperative to grow. Yeah, that's that's great. And I, I wanna I wanna hear more on you know this idea about brands and country. And, and brands and companies 
reaching this consumer effectively, um, not necessarily in through general market advertising and not, you know, not through Spanish language, right? Because these are the two levers that traditionally, you know, companies are pushing to reach Hispanics. I mean, what are some best practices? And I know we could spend the whole podcast on this, but how do you reach this ELF 2.0 Latinx Hispanic consumer through advertising that's not necessarily general market, but that's English language? I mean, what are some what are some other levers, I guess, that Ninth Wonder Agency has found to be effective in, 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 um, in reaching this consumer? Yeah, so there's a, a in, in, if we're just talking about reaching, we know that this is a mobile first uh, consumer. So uh, mobile advertising is imperative, um, social um, advertising, but you need to make distinctions across the social um, networks. Um, so we, you know, we have clients that will say, oh, well, we'll do social advertising. Well, don't assume that it's one size fits all for that English language first. Um, you really want to be on uh, Instagram, YouTube, um, less so on Facebook, which has really now become much more um, dominated by the Spanish language versus Latino. So online is imperative. Um, social networks are imperative. Um, and then to actually touch them, which is the, diff the second aspect of this, is you speak to them primarily in English, but you, you wink at them in Spanish. You, um, and the, the wink is imperative because the wink is, is the secret handshake, if you will. It's, what, it's the brand telling the consumer, I get you, I see you, I validate you, you matter to me, which we all know needs to happen for a consumer to change their behavior. Um, so the wink is done culturally and linguistically. Um, we know that not all second generation Hispanics are the 1.5 or biliterate as we spoke to earlier. So if it's a if it's an online ad and it's a static ad, it's not a video, you don't want to have too many words in Spanish, but one or two words in Spanish that will resonate with the consumer and which the consumer can discern because they speak enough Spanish to pick up on those words is important um, in terms of um, the cultural cues, it, that can run the gamut of so many things. It can be the individual engaging with the family, the individual um, as a uh, self-reliant individual, but, but um, with cultural cues about traditions that are part of the Hispanic culture. There, there's a myriad of opportunities, but it's important that there is a distinction made um, when we're talking to the ELF. So one of the things that I love talking about in presentations is um, the, dif the differences between those collective cultures um, and individualistic cultures. And one of them has to do with apparel. Um, collective biz cultures, the first generation, Spanish language first, um, in their hierarchy of um, what, th what they want to achieve by their apparel, for example, appearance, appearance is the most important. So they care about their appearance. Um, as members of a collective, that makes sense because it's all about the community and the family. So they want to look good for them. In an individualistic society like the one we live in, it's all about comfort. Um, we care more about being comfortable because it's more about I, not we. So understanding those differences and the fact that the in the case of the SLF, we'll stick with that example for a second, that Spanish language 
average Latino cares most about appearance. The, the American consumer cares, cares mostly about being comfortable. So if you look at those two extremes, that ELF, bilingual, bicultural consumer in the middle, cares about both. Um, and will dress differently based on what they're caring about most at any given time. So just understanding that hybridity and that duality um, is 90% is, is of the game, because if you understand that, then you can market to that, and you can market to the messaging, how, why is it different, um, what matters most to that consumer. Uh, so there's just a lot of great psychology and sociology in all of this, which is why we love what we do, right? That's yeah, no, that that's such a great example. And I mean, to that point, I mean, if you're an um, organization, let's say to you know someone listening right now, they know that their organization should be doing more to to understand those nuances between individual individualistic cultures and collective cultures. Uh-huh. But what's some data, some tools that they can use? to understand those differences, to start to make the case internally, hey, we should be talking to this consumer differently, and here are some things. I mean, what are, what would you oh, recommend? Yeah, so, oh, I, uh, well, the first, the first thing I did um, years ago when I um, decided to commit the rest of my career to this segment um, was I read a book I was looking for what are the best books that speak to the American ethos, because I recognized that in most situations I was speaking to management teams that were comprised of Americans that didn't understand this cult, our culture, the Hispanic culture at all, much less the, the bilingual, bicultural elf culture, right? So I read a book called Clash of Civilizations. Um, it was written by Sam Huntington, who was a Harvard professor who, who is deceased. Um, it was a very difficult book to read because it um, he was anti-immigration and there was a lot of negativity about immigrants in the book, but I wasn't reading it for that purpose. I was reading it to just get inside the mindset of the Protestant work ethic and individualism, et cetera. And, and that, I left that book with a lot of key learnings when it comes to um, the, uh, the American way of life and our ethos um, and how different that is from the Hispanic way of life. So I, I'm not, I'm not suggesting everyone should read this book. It's, it's a, it's a very difficult book to read. It's very long, but if, if you're, if you have six months and you're bored and you want to read it, go for it. Right. Um, there's a lot though that's written online about collectivism and individualism. It's just that no one really searches for it because they don't think of it like that. But if you look up collectivist culture, um, and individualism, you'll, you'll find a lot of things online. Um, uh, psychology, wikia.org has stuff. Uh, there's a lot. And I think it, it behooves anyone who's interested in targeting those that hide in plain sight that come from a different culture to, to, to look for it. That's a really good point because a lot of us think, oh, we have to find these specific data points. But you're talking about thinking a little bit holistically, kind of getting on a higher level, understanding what defines collectivist culture versus individualistic. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm going to check out that book. If it's on Audible, I'm a big audio book person. Oh, so, okay, so, good. So maybe, maybe I, I, I haven't heard about, heard that one. So that's a, that's going to be on my list. Yeah. And you know, Mario, if I can add one more thing, it is imperative 
for us to understand those differences because we're seeing those differences played out online. And I'll give you an example because this is the best example I have. Um, are you familiar with that term bi-directional toggle? Um, have you heard that term, Mario? I haven't heard that term. Okay, so, so bi-directional toggle is what happens online in a collectivist household. So let's assume that a first-generation Hispanic household has a desktop computer, which is the primary family computer at home. So this is, this is what typically happens. The parents will ask the child to search for something online. And the child, and again, the child doesn't have to be a child, it can be adult. It's they ask their son or daughter, right? The son or daughter get online and they search for arthritis medication or arthritis ointment. But the search happens in English. So the first thing that happens is a search and it happens in English. Um, the child finds the content and looks through the website to see if they have Spanish language content and if they don't, translates it, do, does a Google translation to Spanish and hands the monitor over to the parents. So the parent consumes the content in Spanish. So we have two events that have happened. Search happened in English, content consumption happened in Spanish. Lastly, the parents, if they're happy with what they've read, will give the computer back to their son or daughter and say, yes, I definitely want to order this, order it for me, and hands them a credit card. So the, 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 the son or daughter takes the computer back and executes the e-commerce transaction in English. Okay, so what we saw were three events. We started with a search that happened in English, there was content consumption in Spanish, and then there was an e-commerce transaction in English. That's called the bi-directional toggle. Why that is imperative to anyone who's doing multicultural marketing is that if they're looking for funding for Spanish language or ELF um, budgets, um, this end transaction, the e-commerce transaction, is what most brands look for. How much revenue did we sell online and on what page? And if they see it in, in, in the English e-commerce site, the assumption is made that it was a general market or an American who purchased it. So general market then gets the budget or gets more budget. They don't see a lift on the Spanish language e-commerce site. And the assumption erroneously is made that the Spanish language um, ad campaign isn't working. You see where I'm going? Oh, yeah. It's so, interesting you bring yeah. that up because I was just, I, I was speaking to Diego Antista. He was at Google for many years and he was talking about all these metrics and data points, things that could capture this bi-directional toggle, like the actual toggle of a browser from English to Spanish. Mm -hmm. That's, those are data points that marketers have access to through analytics but aren't necessarily looking at. Oh yeah, and you can actually pixel every page on your website to follow consumer journeys and bi-directional toggles. It's, it's right. all there within reach, it's all there. But if you don't take the time to do it, you won't understand who that user is. And understanding that user, and let me tell you something, this, is, this goes beyond just um, uh, the household itself. Um, I am, you know, a, a, a daughter of immigrants and my mother is still alive and lives in a different state. And we will still do this process over the phone. 
it doesn't happen real time in her household. <laughs> It'll happen over the phone. Like she'll call yeah. me and say, I want to get, you know, some a Spanish novella. Can you go here and find it for me? And it's it's the same thing. I mean, it's like maybe it picks up just that content consumption or maybe not at search, but it's it's all about um, English, Spanish, English, the bi-directional toggle is just just simply a mirror of the toggling that happens in our real lives as children of immigrants. And um, it's, it's uh, something that, that needs to be understood because if, if you as a brand can simplify the role I play as an elf, you gain my love and trust, right? So if you already have a site that's translated into Spanish, I don't have to go through the process of Google translating into Spanish, right? If you right. already have video assets in Spanish or educational information about a product in Spanish, I can just forward that to my parents via email um, and have them look at it online or if I'm in the same household, view it, they, they can view it without me. It's all really about simplifying the elf's life because if not, you know, as, as the parents mature and they become and they age, it's more and more of um, a, a, you know, a, a time, uh, a time swap in terms of just like this is, they're taking so much time, they need help with this, they need help with that, brands that can facilitate and remove that onus off of the consumer or highly prized by the consumer. I, I wonder what bi-directional toggle looks like with voice, like Amazon Alexa. Yeah, I've wondered. Home. Yeah, that, yeah. That'd be super Wouldn't that be interesting? interesting? Yeah, I've always thought that we need a Hispanic um, Alexa, right? And and one who's an elf, right? Who can go back and forth. <laughs> I mean that that's a, that's such an easy fix. Got right. To, Yes. Got to email Jeff Bezos. Um, That's right. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so we, we almost here at the um, end of, of, of the podcast. And I think you've given some great advice for data points, ways to connect with the Hispanic consumer for those looking to advocate within the organization or just do more among um, Latino consumers. But we were talking before the podcast about how we feel like 2020 is going to be a really good year for multicultural marketing, for Hispanic marketing. Um, would love to hear your kind of outlook on this coming year and, and, and why you think that way. Yeah, so um, I think that way for a lot of reasons. I think first psychologically, the turn of the decade, I think, is always a really fresh start. I mean, the new years are always good starts, but a decade, decade changes are a little more significant and have greater reward, I think. Um, I, the Hispanic markets now, you know, we're at $64 trillion based on the latest research I saw with a GDP of $2 trillion and 20% of the population. It's hard to deny the market at this stage, right? So I think um, a couple of different things are at play. I was at an event in LA yesterday um, where there is a, a group that was formed um, under the auspices of the mayor's office called uh, La Collab or LACollab.org, which is all about um, getting more Latino representation in the entertainment industry and in all entertainment assets across the board, you know, from books to film to television, et cetera. Um, so we can 
um, revise the mythology that is out there about the Hispanic consumer. Um, Eva Longoria spoke yesterday, and she made an she she had some amazing comments. But one of them was, you know, if 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 you folks out here in the entertainment industry don't think you have anything to do with the fact that we have children in cages on our in in our borders, you're dead wrong. Because if we don't readdress and revise the mythology and the stereotype that's out there about Hispanics, um, then that continues to be okay, and it's not okay. So. Um, I think there's a lot of um, organizations, many organizations are just stepping up to the fact that, you know, if, if, if the government is perpetuating a narrative that's false, um, we as citizens and as Latinos and as consumers have the power and, and, the, and we are required you know, to change the narrative um, by our by by our day to day life, by what we value, but what we treasure, by what we share, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's um, just a movement to have um, organizations put their, uh, their money where their mouth is, if you will, and pick up and step up um, to help multicultural consumers uh, because they see there's a void at the highest levels of government. 100% agree. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've always put out data as an, as an organization, but now um, I feel like it's more important than ever to show uh, how, how big a role we play in the economy and, and uh, both from a consumer level and from a business level. Right. I mean, yes. Uh, not only consumer purchasing power, but Latinos are starting more businesses than any yes. other cohort in the U S right. It's That's right. Uh, economic imperative. So um, 2020 is going to be good on, on multiple levels. Yes, I agree. I absolutely agree. Well, thank you so much, Maria. Always a pleasure talking to you. And um, thank you for sharing, sharing that great information. Oh, thank you, Mario. My pleasure. Um, I hope um, people enjoyed the podcast. And um, if you ever want me back, let me know. I enjoyed and, talking to you. And if people want to connect with you, what's online? What's the best way to find you? Oh, um, so my email is maria.twina, T-W-E-N as in Nancy A, at ninthwonder.com. And the nine is a number nine, then T-H-W-O-N-D-E-R.com. Um, happy to hear any thoughts or comments, or if you have any questions, happy to share what I know. Thanks again, Maria, and thanks everyone for listening. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Mario. Have a good day. Thanks to everyone listening in. To get more multicultural insights, check us out at thinknow.com and follow us on social media. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform.